This Sunday, it's significant. There's like a, there's an overlapping of several things, not planned, but we feel the grace of God is on it. Um, Anne was calling this after first service, it's a Tiffany day and it's a Ricardo day as well. And when I received the, uh, the, the preaching schedule, I looked on the, on the calendar. I'm like, Oh, this is so special. Today is, um, Orthodox Easter. I know we celebrated Easter last weekend in the Gregorian calendar. Uh, the dates are different. And so today, around the world, that last night and this morning, is when the Orthodox Church community celebrate Easter. This is special for me because I come from a Syrian Orthodox background. And, and I know the, the ceremonial you know, leading up to this weekend is really, really special. Abby and I were talking about the Syrian Orthodox Church just last week. Uh, just to give you, I know this is not common for us. We're not connected to the, to the, to the Eastern Church in that way. Just by way of uh, uh, a depiction in a map, this is the, the picture of the, the primary Eastern Orthodox churches represent, represented in this map. And if you add to this map Russian Orthodox, um, you'll see in red, that's a, the representation through the Baltic nations is the Russian Orthodox uh, this is, there's some, some nations are missing in there. It's not a full, accurate representation. Rick Pickens helped me do this, Anna Amelia. Um, and if you put both of those together, this is the kind of the imagery that you get. These are the nations this weekend that they celebrate the, the Orthodox Easter from the Russian Orthodox to the Greek Orthodox to the Egyptian Coptic to the Syrian Orthodox. Uh, to Ethiopian Orthodox, Indian, Syrian Orthodox, and Malabar Orthodox, uh, my tradition that we come from. This is a significant weekend. And one of the things I want to do with us this morning is invite us into the celebrations of God that are global. It's bigger than us, it's bigger than this moment, bigger than what we know, and we're a part of it. We are a part of the work of God and the body of God worldwide. Just this weekend, if we were living in Cyprus, um, this weekend, the greeting changes. When you come up on Easter, you go to the market, you go to a store, you walk in your neighborhood, you don't say hi, you greet according to the significance of this, of this uh, resurrection weekend. And this is a greeting. The translation is, he is Christ is risen, is what one person says, and the other uh, person responds, he is risen indeed. Would you like to learn a little bit of Greek and try this in Greek? So the first greeting when you meet somebody is Christos Anesti. And the response is Alitos Anesti. He's risen. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Shall we try this together? I'll be that person greeting you and then you greet back. Ready? Christos Anesti. Now, you have to kind of match my intensity a little, at least a little. Let's try it again. Christos Anesti. Christos Anesti. Christos Anesti. Hallelujah. You know, in our confession, in our confession, even in a language that's foreign and a greeting that may be foreign to our normal culture, we are participating in the historic, in the ancient church of God worldwide. Because some of these churches have carried and maintained this greeting of the gospel throughout centuries. 
and brought it to this day. And the Lord gave me, when we were living in Cyprus, the Lord gave me a vision of this flow of the Orthodox churches. And he said, these are sleeping giants from, from this band, from Russian Orthodox all the way to Ethiopian Orthodox and Indian Orthodox. That in the, in the, in the, in the fullness of time, God will awaken these ancient churches for his glory again. And to that, you add the Catholic Church worldwide. God is setting up something yet to be seen. And it can happen in a moment. In Russian, Christos Vaskrias. Did I say it right? I'm learning. You see, in church tradition leading up to Easter or reading, uh, leading up to the celebration on this weekend, you don't show up on Sunday morning to celebrate Easter. There's a preparation. There's a reverence that goes day by day that leads up to, there's a looking forward to, and there's a building up of anticipation and preparing our hearts, our minds, our bodies toward that moment. Highlighting significant moments, marking the sacredness of each moment that we see in scriptures with holy observance and fasting and prayers and rituals. Some of the examples we may be familiar with is Lent, is a 40-day period of penitential preparation for Easter. It's kind of lost for the most part in our Western, you know, charismatic kind of, you know, younger, newer churches. There's another... uh, observance is called Via Crucis, which is the stations of the cross where they commemorate and give meaning and value. And they they take time to pause at these moments to take in the full effect. And, And through that, their own heart's preparation for what is coming. The stations of the cross. There's Easter tide. It's a 50-day marking of time moving forward from Good Friday to Pentecost. So for us, we come on, on Easter Sunday morning. We celebrate it well, and then we go on with normal life, and it's kind of on the calendar, Pentecost. Hey, when is Pentecost? You know, when is, when is that? You know what I mean? That's how we engage in it. But in these cultures, in these traditions, each one is connected to the other because this sets us up and builds that anticipation for what is yet to come. Even in Jewish tradition, that 50 days marked, it's a biblical uh, narrative that you are to count from Passover, you are to count seven weeks. And when seven weeks are fulfilled, seven weeks is 49 days, the next day, the 50th day is Shavuot, which we know as Pentecost. That's why in Acts 2, it says when Pentecost had fully come. The idea is that we have completed the counting with anticipation day after day for 49 days, and the 50th day is Pentecost. I want my heart to grow in this expectation so that I don't leave the power of resurrection on Easter to come back to it next year. But that is an open door for us to continue in the Easter reality in our life day after day after day. Unless Jesus, unless there's any power or principality that can shut Jesus back into the tomb, we are called to live in the resurrection reality in our lives. And it continues, the liturgy of St. James. Whenever communion is taken, this is, a, this is a declaration. Your death, our Lord, we commemorate. Your resurrection, we confess. And your second coming, we wait for. In the book of Common Prayer, another traditional reading, here's what it says. Christ has died. 
Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Very, very, very famous prayer and declaration throughout church history. It's a continual understanding of the story that we are not just telling of what happened. We're saying because of what happened, we, he will come again. And we're living toward that return of the Lord. You see, John writes about his encounter in Revelation 1.8, and this is in red letter. This is in his encounter, Jesus is revealing himself to John. It says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. What a powerful description of who he is in that same context of movement from what has been to what is to come. Songwriters, in, you know, have taken this verse and written songs about it. We have prayed it out in different, different ways. I have misquoted this verse so many times. What do we normally say? Who was and is and is to come. That's not what he says. He comes into the understanding of his reach throughout the spans of time. But he says, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, who is. I was in the beginning. This is this out of this revelation. John begins to write the gospel after his encounters. He begins to write in the beginning. The alpha and the I was in the he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it because he is right now for you. Because the resurrection is right now for you. Who is in the understanding that God is resurrected. Jesus Christ is the resurrected son of God. We have hope in the history, our timeline, and we have hope for the future. We have healing in our past and we have hope for what is to come in the future. Because he is right now. Say this with me. Who is? And who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Continuing in this church tradition, we have the, the stations of the cross that help lead them to Easter. But after Easter, there's another commemorative process. It's called Via Lucis. And this is the path or the way of light or the stations of light. And what this, what Via Lucis contains is 14 significant moments. It highlights every single interaction that Jesus had on earth between resurrection and ascension. For us, we celebrate Easter and then we go back into storytelling like, you know, and this happened and this happened. And this. These are significant moments. These are incredibly prophetic moments that mark time and space forever. These are the things that happen. Think about it. These are the things that happen between resurrection and ascension. There, there's more than we normally consider when we read these words. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list those 14 things. The first one is resurrection. Second, the women discover the empty tomb. Third, he was revealed first to Mary Magdalene. Fourth, he's revealed on the road to Emmaus, the burning hearts story. Fifth, he's revealed in the breaking of bread. 
Sixth, he's revealed to disciples in hiding when he walks through the walls. Seven, he gives them power to forgive sins. Eight, he strengthens and commissions Thomas. Nine, he reveals himself to the disciples on the Sea of Tiberias. I love that scene. Ten, he forgives Peter and entrusts him with his sheep. Eleven, the great commission. Twelve, the promise of the Father. Thirteen, ascension. Fourteen, Pentecost. Just in this passage of time, there's so much for us to consider that we could easily lose the momentum and the buildup. I think we're in, on track with something here, without planning, without knowing. On Good Friday, Brian shared his incredible resurrection testimony. Last Wednesday, Sue Roby shared her testimony of God's miraculous healing in her life. It's a resurrection testimony. This morning, Tiffany, this is her anniversary. Today is her anniversary day, and she's singing out of the overflow of her testimony. And then we have Ricardo, for the first time in three years, he's coming back and singing. This is the work of God in literally happening before our eyes. We don't have all of the traditions like the ancient church does, but in the graciousness of God, he is allowing us to be in step in building our heart's anticipation that he can do anything. He's more than able. You see, when he resurrected from the grave, it wasn't a casual day of continued interactions like he was having before as if nothing happened. This is the moment he now resurrects, now having Grab the keys of hell and death and grave itself. Now he's, he reveals himself to them having defeated sin and sickness and infirmities. Has overcome now by the blood of the lamb, by his own blood. This is the moment he begins to reveal himself to him on the other side of all the things that he has been carefully teaching them or trying to communicate to them. Eternal redemption has just been purchased. And he overcame all by the blood of the lamb. Broke the power of death, hell and grave. And he declares... I am the resurrection and the life. What a powerful moment. So in this context, I want to go back to the third way of light. This is the interaction that Mary Magdalene has with the resurrected Christ. She is strangely, unexpectedly, the very first person to interact and encounter the resurrected Christ. The others came and saw empty, an empty tomb. But for some reason in, in, the, in, the, in, in our history of redemption, he chooses Mary Magdalene. And I was thinking, maybe the angel got the kind of the, hey, go and tell Mary to be there. Probably God was thinking his mom, but the angel got the wrong address, the wrong Mary. And God's going, oh, man, messed up that story. It would have been so powerful if it was. We don't know a lot about Mary Magdalene. All we know is that 
In her account, she is one who ardently followed Jesus wherever he went and supported his ministry because out of her, he had cast out, he had set her free from seven demons. And in the account where her name is first mentioned, the passage right before is the anointing at Bethany. When this certain Mary came, they don't tell us who this Mary is. It could have been one of the Marys. But when you read on in, one of, in, in Luke, the next one, next two verses, it says Mary Magdalene, out of whom seven demons have been cast out, is mentioned for the first time. So I believe that this is, this is her. That's all we know about her. But in order to understand why she is highlighted on this most significant day and moment of resurrection, she is the one standing right in front of him. We need to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Let's look at the story of Adam and Eve, and Eve in particular. You see, the context of creation is this. God, in his eternal triune reality, the Godhead, speaks has communion together and says, let us make man in our image. And out of that wisdom came the desire and the plan to create who we are. And the account says, so in Genesis 1:27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So the full express image of God in that clay form contained both male and female. I don't, want your, I don't want your mind to get into a carnal grid and relate it to societal issues today. This is a holy creation moment. In the image, a beautiful image of God contained within this being of clay on the ground was male and female. He created them. And so the story goes on. He removes his rib and forms Eve as a companion to Adam, husband and wife now. And they're in the garden, and then the serpent shows up and deceives Eve. In that interaction, Adam is not present. I don't know if Adam had to go to the bathroom. Lots of fruit. Leave that there as is. But in this conversation, it's just the serpent and Eve. I don't know what he was doing, but he was not engaged in the conversation. You see, the reality is that in the two of them being together as husband and wife was the full express image of the Godhead. And momentarily, when whatever Adam was doing and Eve was found to be by herself, the serpent shows up. It says the serpent was the most cunning of all the animals. He takes occasion of this moment to come and have a conversation with Eve, who is now lacking part of the full revelation of God together with Adam. Now she's alone. She doesn't realize it yet. And what does the, the devil ask her? Let's read Genesis 3, 4. And the serpent said to the woman, has God said, if you eat of this tree, Eve, that you will die? And she says, yes. That's what God said. And the serpent says, you will not surely die. Verse 5, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. You see, this is how deception happens. She was already made in the full express image of God. Together with Adam. And in the moment that Adam was missing, 
the serpent comes and says, if you eat of this tree, you will become like him. All she knew was to worship God. All she knew was to be like God. All she knew was to be literally in the image of God together with Adam. In the moment that she was subconsciously missing that full revelation, the serpent says, you're missing something in order to get back what you know to be true in yourself. Eat this tree, eat this fruit. She was deceived. You see, our nature is not rebellion. Our nature is not sin nature. Our nature is not follow. Our nature is to be in the image of God and to be worshipers of God on the earth. Sin was introduced to us. The fallen nature was foreign to us, was deceived into who we are. And the story goes on in chapter 3 and verse 8. She eats, shares it with Adam. And their eyes are open to good and evil and sin. And they are feeling condemned. They're feeling guilty. They're scared. Now they're running from God and they're hiding from him. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. This is where we leave off. This moment is the moment of separation from God in the garden as they're hiding from God who's walking in the garden. You see, the, 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 when Jesus is making his way to the cross, he first has to do business in the garden. We didn't know this, but Marcy shared the same exhortation with our staff on Tuesday morning. It was in the garden that the separation happened and we hid because of our shame, because of our will that was enacted. And here Jesus goes to the garden of Gethsemane and here with great pain and anguish and angst, with blood, with tears and sweat and blood dripping out of his pores, he yielded. Now this is not Jesus representing himself or his story. He's representing humanity. He's representing all of humanity and he yields the will of the broken, rebellious, deceived will of humanity. Oh, there's a tension. He says there's a fight because it still wants not to go through that process. I don't want to go through this, but not my will, God. And he yields that will back to the Lord in the garden. And on the day of resurrection, the very first person that encounters him, Mary Magdalene, of whom we know very little. I don't think she is just a local woman having a local story. Now she is one like Christ represented all of humanity. She now arrives at that scene of resurrection representing all of humanity. Because her only thing we know about her is that out of her were cast out seven demons. Seven is biblically the number of completion. She represents humanity that was so fully overcome by the demonic and satanic oppression that her story is that he set her free and she has her heart to show her gratitude 
in that, in that account, when she encountered Jesus before, she came and poured out the expensive perfume. Her tears wiped his feet. Here's what it says about that account. In Mark 14, surely I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. So now she is at this very scene of resurrection. And the account is, she's looking for him. She brought spices again. In John 20, verse 14. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And as soon as he said that, she said, Rabbi, it's you. This is a moment when we as humanity, we are being restored back to that glorious place of the garden where we lost it all. In this moment, her, the revelation, the very first revelation of the resurrected Christ to a human being who represents the oppression, the full and complete oppression, is him standing as a gardener. Not a moment is missed in God's heart. He takes us all the way back to where we left off. He takes us all the way back to that moment when shame and guilt and condemnation came upon humanity, when fallen nature came upon humanity. And he says, Mary, in this moment, everything's been won. He defeated death. He defeated sin. He defeated all oppression. And he stands before her. He doesn't have to do anything because it is finished in this moment. I want to pray for all of, our, all of the women in here this afternoon. It's a significant moment in time for us. No matter what you have gone through, number one, for yourself, God wants to bring you back to full restoration in who he created you to be. He wants you to hear it is finished. He wants you to hear it is absolutely finished. And he's setting you up to now be the first messenger, to now be the first carrier of the gospel message. I can imagine, imagine him when she turned around and saw a gardener. I can imagine his, the clay of creation still under his nail beds, under his fingernails. Four thousand years of fallen nature, it is finished simply by calling her name in that moment. By one offering, Hebrew says, He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. He takes humanity back to the garden. He takes humanity back to the moment where we hid from Him. Thank you, Lord. And in this context, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and I am the end who is right now in this moment. 
Thank you, Lord. You see, we're living, why is this important for us? Why is this important for our community, for our women? We're living in a culture and a time where the greatest minds that you can find in secular society can't even define what a woman is. But the redemptive plan of God from Eve to his mother, Miriam, who said, be it unto me according to your will. To Mary Magdalene, out of whom he cast out the full effect of our fallen nature. And then he reveals himself to her. Restoring us all the way back. There's a call for us. There's a call for our community, our women, our grandmothers, our mothers, our daughters, our sisters, our friends. Thank you, Lord. Because you carry the bridal paradigm. You carry what is to come. The bride, you carry that in you. It's part of the entire body, male and female, yes. But thank you, Lord. I want, all the, I want to invite all the women to stand up. In 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul is writing... And he says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois. And your mother, Eunice, I'm persuaded that it is in you as well. There's a grit in mothers. There's a grit in grandmothers who hold on to the legacy of faith. I'm here because of that. Thank you, Lord. He set the woman in enmity with the serpent. There's been a fight in you ever since the beginning of time. To fight for your offspring because in your offspring your offspring's heel will crush I can tell I can I know this because I've witnessed it we were singing it. I've witnessed the goodness of God I know my Sarah she has a fight that I don't have when I see it I'm scared <laughs> So many stories. She can't handle this smell of throw up. I mean, I can handle it. She can't. I remember stories. We're traveling in Ethiopia. One of our team, team members are missing. And we're trying to find them. I run back to the hotel. Sarah's laying with this girl, half in the bathroom, half outside, delivering her. And she's got it all over her. And she's, I'm like, I don't know who that is. There's a grit in you to believe for your, for your children. It speaks of what is to come. It speaks of the legacy of faith for your children and your children's children. There is a grit that will not let go. Will not let go. I want to honor you. I want to honor, honor you. 
And this is a bridal paradigm you carry as a forerunner like Mary Magdalene, who now came fully redeemed. She got the glorious distinction to carry the revelation, the witness. I have witnessed it. That was her message. She witnessed the first one to witness a resurrected Christ. And she was the carrier of that message to the disciples. He is risen. I have seen him. Thank you, Lord. Christ will come again. And I feel, I believe that there's a bridal paradigm that will have a voice to cry out like John in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. As a prophetic sign, would you come up to the front and we'll ask the Lord to meet us together. I've asked some of our team to come and pray as well. pray this morning before the service, I felt over and over again, just this phrase, straighten up, receive your marching orders. So I just want to pray. I've been kind of, the picture I get is just of people kind of in this position and just Just weighed down by guilt, by shame, by condemnation, maybe insecurity. And I even want to add grief to that as well. And I, this morning there is, there is a grace to overcome this. So I just want, as a prophetic act, if, if you just with me can just roll back your shoulders. Lord, and I thank you. I thank you for the overcomers, Lord. Lord, I thank you for a divine stubbornness. I also just see just a, just you putting your heel into the ground, standing upright as a, as a pillar, ready to receive the fire of the Lord that is coming. So, Lord, I just declare that, Lord, I welcome your fire, Lord, I thank you for these pillars, Lord, I thank you that every single deception that is, that is plaguing minds, every single demonic deception that takes away identity, Lord, I just cut it off right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, you, Lord. ready to receive your fire in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I want to invite all the men to stand up and just stretch your hands over this holy moment. This is a certain commissioning in our community. This is a certain commissioning on this moment, the day, Tiffany's day, when she declared her testimony. You see, on resurrection morning, it was the blood of the lamb that had purchased that moment. And then it became the word of her testimony that carried the gospel. So like David said, just Dig those heels in, ladies. I want to bless you to go first, like Mary Magdalene. And um, the prophets are all saying that unless the women go first, it's not going to happen. That's why Lou Engel is gathering 5,000 women to go to the mall in D.C. He said the women have to go and gather first, and then it can happen because that's how great you are. So I want to bless you now 
with the anointing to go first. And how appropriate that it should be on Tiffany's day. And uh, Tiffany was the day, Tiffany's day to me, April 18th, is the day the daughters at Life Center go free. The day that the daughters of Life Center are resurrected. And then that very day when this happened, I went home and I looked up the meaning of the name Tiffany, and it means theophany. That means God among us. God manifests itself among us, like the angel of the Lord did to uh, the uh, the angel of the Lord showed up to um, Joshua. That's a theophany. So this is theophany day. So I bless you with the presence of the Lord, with the manifest presence of the Lord to show up to you, to strengthen you, and that you can go first and do all that you need to do. Amen. You may have seen this morning, but the verse of the day on the Bible app starts out, it says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. How perfect that that showed up today. I felt like the Lord was saying that there are people who have been letting their hearts get sick with hope deferred. Maybe you've been waiting for a promise. Maybe you've been believing for a child. Um, Maybe you've been believing for a prodigal. Maybe you've been believing for a restored marriage. Whatever that looks like, I believe that there is resurrection of hope today. There's resurrection of dreams today. There is resurrection of um, promises. And so God, we just say, come and stir our faith. Release resurrection power to help us hope again and heal any heart that has become sick from hope deferred. We step out of partnership with any disappointment, any sickness in our hearts, and we step into the fulfillment of promises. I woke up this morning hearing the words from a podcast I I recently listened to, and it said, something's changing in the spirit, something's breaking, I can feel it. And so I declare that over every woman today. I say that something's changing in the spirit, something's breaking, I can feel it. Um, I heard this in the first service. I just heard it again as all the women came forward. Um, Promise carriers, promise carriers, promise carriers. You're the promise carriers. In the 80s and 90s, there was a men's movement called Promise Keepers. But I just kept hearing, you're the ones who carry the promise. And so just lift your hands towards heaven. Father, thank you, Lord. Receive the promise of the Lord. For you in this season for your family in this season. Receive the promise of the Lord and carry it. Carry it, carry it, carry it. For such a time as this, for this generation, for this season, for right now. In Jesus' name, the grace, an extra grace, an extra strength to carry the promise of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. We bless those who are contending have been contending beyond hope beyond hope if you've been contending for your spouse there's a grace today because these women they came they witnessed they came and told the disciples it says they still didn't believe don't lose hope because you don't hear witness you are the witness don't lose hope because you don't see or hear the witness from others you are the witness just say this I am the witness
Just say it again. I am the witness. I am the witness. I bless your wombs right now in Jesus' name. If anyone is believing for to be, to have a baby, I bless the life in your womb in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. I bless your hands for healing. I bless the words of your mouth to be overflowing with life, with a hope that does not, with a hope that does not pull back in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, there's a grace on wombs. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want some of the women around you to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. If, you're, if that's you and you're believing for that, just look around if there's a hand that's raised. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray that you would awaken the message and you awaken the messenger. Thank you, Lord. Hope beyond hope. Hope beyond hope. Hope. We curse hopelessness because you are the message. You are the witness of resurrection. Thank you, Lord. He's been waiting for this moment ever since creation. Just like Mary Magdalene to release you into those circumstances that have contended against you. There's a commissioning, a call as well for ministries, divine assignments. In Jesus' name, national and international assignments. In Jesus' name, the stature that David was praying. In Jesus' name, come on, Tim, let's worship.
make a declaration together, a new declaration that's ours. I'm going to say, Christ is risen, and you're going to shout back, I have witnessed it. You ready? Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Come on, let's give the great Lord a great shout of praise.